Thank you for listening to the Weekly Market Outlook. It is our pleasure to bring an industry-leading market analyst to provide you with the most value possible in your farm business. Please reach out anytime by emailing cbaron at agviewsolutions.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the AgView Pitch. We are heading into another new marketing week, April 24th through the 28th. It is planting season. However, the weather is not cooperating with all of us. And so we'll have a little conversation about that, among other things. And today we're lucky enough to have with us Dwayne Lowry back again. Dwayne, how's it going? Good, Chris. Glad to be here. Well, it's good to have you. Um, excited to uh, see what kind of wisdom you can you can uh, share with us today here. So uh, um, with that said, we'll talk a little bit about planning progress. I can give you my two cents on some stuff here in a bit. Are you hearing anything or what's going on in your neck of the woods? Well, I'm what, uh, 30 miles north of you, and yep. uh, we've had very little planning activity, but there has been a small, tiny amount, but very little. And uh, I'm looking out my office window this morning on Saturday morning and uh, um, snow uh, drifting through the air and uh, enough so that you can scan the horizon and you see a little bit of snow on the ground and the roofs are all white and uh, not the greatest weather um, and temperatures are going to be kind of a cool temperature theme pretty much uh, all the next two weeks with it, you know, quite cool compared to normal over the next seven days and probably three or four out of the next seven days, our overnight lows are going to be below zero. So um, not the greatest, but it's April 22nd on the calendar. And uh, I'm not sure it's that big of a deal yet. Yeah. The thing that concerns me, Dwayne, a little bit is, you know, as people listen to this during the week, the 24th through 28th, and then, you know, that's the end of the month. And then, you know, your, your ideal window for a lot of the listeners, at least on soybeans, to capitalize on the best yield is is that week, you know. And then even in the Dakotas, you know, you know they're a little ways away, obviously, with the snow melt and wet and trying to get things warmed up and dried out a little bit. It's going to get a lot of people, you know, into May for sure. Um, and, and I get it. You know, I keep hearing, well, everybody can plan everything in, in five days. Well, that's great if you can plan everything. <laughs> you know, the, the weather's got to cooperate. Um, we did quite a bit um, that couple weeks ago when, we, you know, we were in the 80s there for, what, five or six days. Um, right or wrong, I don't know, we put uh, about... 25, well, about a little over 20% of our corn in and almost all of our soybeans. We'd have finished the beans, but we, it, the weather was getting cold and, and, uh, there was, you know, this, this cold, snowy, crappy weather was in route. So we shut everything off, parked stuff. But, you know, I, I think the, the guys in Illinois, um, this last week were able to run for a couple of days. Um, you know, but like I said, this cold weather and everything. With that said, I just have a quick question for you. At what point do you think the market, if this does stay kind of a slow pace or a no pace at some point, you know, do you got to get to the 15th of May? Do you got to get to the 25th of May? I mean, before the market really does much or or, or recognizes a, a slow or a delayed pace. 
Well, I'm not sure the market uh, uh, is going to care for a little bit. That being said, I don't think the market has been down in the last few or several days based on ideal weather or favorable planning conditions or anything else. I think it's been more of a tech-based uh, liquidation route. And um, um, I would imagine that is largely coming to an end, you know, pretty much immediately. And so the market's going to be relatively clean. We're back to the bottom side of parameters in the, the corn that we've been. Uh, in the case of the beans, you know, we're the, um, this feels like a devastating break, but you know, you're probably 50, 60 cents off the recent peak in beans, which probably was made even on Sunday night or Monday, I think of this past week. And you're still, um, you know, 70 cents off the bottom, 60 cents off the lows made in the month of March, the bean market's not acting poorly. The, uh, bean spreads, uh, the July no, which just peaked out uh, within the last week, probably has only fallen a dime during this sell-off that we just had. And if the market was really no good, and if the market was, you know, collapsing and beginning a, a downtrend that was going to build momentum and be sustained and all of this kind of thing, that spread would have uh, probably collapsed from those, you know, record high levels. And it, it all it fell was a dime. So I don't think that's very troubling. So I think the marketplace has not been trading favorable conditions and will it embrace troubling conditions or concerning conditions? I'm not sure. I think it, uh, if it does so, it's going to have to be because rain events are drawing out and delaying the planning thing more than, you know, temperatures or anything else. Um, and that's certainly possible. There's enough rain around uh, that uh, we could extend this to where it becomes uh, a little bit of a concern. Um, I'm not sure concern is even the right word. The marketplace right now is dialing in and, and talking about uh, a national yield in corn of 181. And uh, what is that? Like five bushels, six bushels above the record? And and here we are talking about a, a 181. It seems a little difficult for me to accept, not that, that it isn't possible, it's certainly possible, but it seems difficult to believe that we, we might already be dialing that type of number in. And as the planning date um, uh, extends out a little bit, as germination pace becomes slow because of temperatures, uh, nullifying some of the uh, early planning dates themselves. And as in the case of the beans, um, there's going to be, it feels like there's going to be a lot less acres taking advantage of early plant date and beans than there is in in, uh, it might be more of a market factor there than it is in corn. And the balance sheet looking forward, um, it's difficult to grow the U.S. balance sheet very much unless you have really optimum yields. And until we have something else to look at in terms of crop development conditions, um, the plant early planting date is going to take a little bit of the edge off of uh, at least a confident opinion about having exceptionally good bean yields. So maybe it's a storyline in beans before it is in, in corn. Um, I could see that being the case, but I think the recent price action in, in corn and beans is um, more than likely a temporary short-term flushing event and not the beginning of a more protracted move. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you with two things. So you mentioned the, uh, the move in the market here 
and you know maybe it's it's quote unquote clean from a technical perspective um do you think the funds are watching this or what does it take to bring the funds back in a little bit more what's your perspective on on money flow because that's so important for us to 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 you know that volatility creates opportunity not only for them but it does for us too any comments on i think that? if you want the I think if you want the funds to come back into the agricultural markets, uh, the first thing you probably need them to get um, absent having a specific weather related growing threat. I think the first thing you really uh, want to cheer for if you want them back in is you want to cheer for energy prices to be going up. You want to cheer for um, uh, a perception that China's economy is doing well, going to be doing well, that commodity markets in general will be well supported. And I think there is a, a legitimate merit for that type of a discussion. The marketplace hasn't really been wanting to embrace that very much, but I think that it could. I think the other thing that, that um, I think lurks on the horizon that could surface at any time and probably is getting to the point where it's it's going to surface, surface here very quickly. And that's, again, Russia, Ukraine, the, the grain corridor, uh, situation. I think that expires. The 60-day extension that we recently did expires on the 18th of May. And if Russia is going to, if, if ships are going to be able to get in and get back out by that deadline, they're running out of time to, to get an inspection going in. So that grain corridor thing is about to come to an end. Now, based on the time frame on the calendar i'm not sure how big of a deal it is if it does come to an end but if it if it comes to an end it's not renewed um their russia's military geographic footprint begins to expand west and or it moves into odessa all of a sudden the marketplace is going to become worried about uh grain shipping out of that region uh through the black sea and through any type of grain corridor uh situation for the new crop, and that's where it becomes really important um, with the new crop, wheat harvest, et cetera. And I think that's a very real thing. And I think that we're probably likely to get some <clears throat> development or uh, bring that story to the forefront sometime next week, just because of the sheer amount of time it takes them for a, a vessel to move into the region, uh, get inspected, come back out, get inspected, and with it ending on the 18th of May, I think that window of um, ships coming in is is just about near its end. Plus, uh, Russia has really ratcheted up the rhetoric on that over the last two weeks about being very, very unhappy with um, their perception that the West has not lived up to their agreement uh, brokered through the UN to allow Russian grain and fertilizer to more freely be exported or um, through financial restraints that are in place. And the West doesn't appear to be in any mood to, to, to change that. But uh, Russia is extremely upset about it, definitely been ratcheting up the rhetoric. And um, I don't think they're going to extend the, that deal again. And I think if for no other reason, um, they need some chips on the table if they want to, if there's a point in time in the months ahead where there's some negotiation taking place, they need something to offer up and uh, opening up the, the grain export corridor would certainly be a chip to have on their side. So I think it's highly likely they're not going to renew that. So I think that's a storyline that 
has been kind of poo-pooed in recent weeks, but I think that's going to come to the forefront this next week again. So is there something that moves wheat that the corn or soybeans chase then, or is that not? Well, the wheat market is so uh, discounted and so right. cheap from any interrelation, intermarket relationship, uh, looking through many different types of matrices uh, from a historical perspective, wheat is just super, super cheap. So theoretically, the wheat market could rally a dollar and corn and beans could actually drift lower and it would be perfectly acceptable by uh, a normal relationship standpoint. So I'm not sure that that just because uh, wheat were to rally, if that's the case, that corn and beans have to rally. Uh, but if corn and beans were to rally, there just isn't much room for um, them to gain on wheat without wheat participating. So um, wheat is by far the most undervalued market here. And should have the most limited amount of downside risk in it and might very well have the most upside potential depending on what the narratives are going forward. But uh, from a purely price relationship perspective, wheat definitely could have and maybe should have the most upside potential. So you don't think you, there'd be much correlation though if, if wheat, you know, because like they're like you just said, you know, if wheat takes off and moves up, you don't think it's going to pull corn and soybeans along with it, even though, and you're saying just because the the spread difference now is so far, wheat's so low in comparison. I'm saying that because the wheat is so historically cheap versus these other markets, that if the wheat market rallied, that by itself doesn't mean that corn and beans have to participate. Um, but some of the uh, most significant part of the grain moving through this grain export uh, UN brokered corridor actually was corn. So um, I think that if the uh, wheat market rallies for whatever set of reasons, um, it's certainly possible that corn and beans may find a reason to want to participate as well. I'm just saying that um, just because wheat rally, that's not necessarily a guarantee that corn and beans have to participate. But I think in the case of um, corn um, and beans, maybe they could find their own narrative for a reason for a rally. The beans, number one, we got U.S. bean carryout at, at 210 million bushels. You got some Brazilian beans that are having to move into the U.S. East Coast because they, they can't get enough beans to uh, satisfy their crush desires. Um, you've got um, China's import demand for this marketing year is higher than it was last year by several million tons. You've got this big Brazilian crop that everybody wants to talk about. But if you take a combined look at Argentina and Brazil total production this year versus last year versus two years ago, we've actually got um, less um, bean production from Argentina and Brazil this year than we had two years ago in the combined total. We are only about five or six million tons uh, and that might even shrink um, <clears throat> higher than we were a year ago. And yet you've got China's imports up 5 million tons. So that pretty much offsets that. And you've got U.S. carryout. It's probably 65 million less than it was last year. That's um, almost 2 million tons right there. So there is nothing abundant about the global uh, uh, soybean situation. And when you fast forward to the crop that we're going to plant in the in, in the U.S. now, 
Um, it's very difficult to get that carry out to rise very much based on uh, the yields, the acres that we have. And I'm not so sure that in the final analysis, the U.S. soybean acreage won't be less than uh, it was projected to be in March. So yeah. in the case of beans, I think there's plenty of uh, fundamental fodder to keep the bean market nervous, um, at least going into early July when we get a look at the June 30th acreage report. The other thing I want to point out is um, I already mentioned that the July no bean spread didn't weaken very much during this last week's sell-off, which if the market was really making a major turn down, that's what it would have done. And it did not do that. And if you want to look at November soybeans, November soybeans on Friday settle at 1285 and a quarter. Okay. 1285 and a quarter to give a perspective on that. If that was the spot value, and I know we're not trading, that's not spot now, but if that was, that would be the lowest spot price for soybeans since December of 2021. So you've already got new crop bean prices discounted by recent history that doesn't seem to be warranted when you look at raw supply and demand numbers, even projected for 2023. So the marketplace has priced in a November soybean price that is probably representative of basically the upper side of reasonable, plausible yield scenarios for 2023. That implies there is absolutely no what-if weather premium built into current values. And if you take the same exercise and you apply it to Dee's corn, which <clears throat> people that are bearish corn, that's where their focus is and has been, is on the December contract. And now we're at the bottom side of where we've been in that new crop Dee's corn here for the last you know several weeks or few months. And Dee's corn at, what, what let's see, let me look. Five, it settled at 548 on, on uh, Friday. Well, if you apply that same comparison and, and say that's the spot contract, that's the lowest it's been since November of 21. So these new crop prices already have an extremely optimistic yield or production scenario plugged in, and yet we're at the beginning of the growing season, and they're plugging in values that we've not seen in the spot markets for you know a year and a half plus. Mm -hmm. And... Um, that seems like it's overly done. And when uh, we go back to one of the things I said earlier on, that the marketplace is kind of clean, and we've had this technical washout, and the spread action doesn't really imply that it's the beginning of a, a downtrend. I think you have just witnessed a flush in the corn and the bean market that probably can't find any momentum to the downside, even this next week, let alone over the next several weeks. And here we are entering a new growing season. So uh, I think that uh, new crop prices are undervalued for all those reasons. I think the wheat market is grossly undervalued for historical price relationship perspectives. I think you have the Ukraine-Russia grain corridor thing is going to come, <clears throat> is going to become front and center probably this next week based on the calendar. And I think there's an excellent chance that it's not going to get renewed. And I think the marketplace is going to be surprised about that. And um, um, so I think there are things to to uh, focus on. I think the energy markets, which had a one-week sell-off this past week, uh, but, but they are still well above where they've been over the last several weeks. And probably 
are poised to have trending higher action there in the months ahead. And I think that is probably the key to getting the funds to want to take ownership uh, in the grains again. And uh, so I think it's very plausible that that uh, scenario plays out. So from a technical standpoint, then I guess as we get closer to wrapping up here, the the new crop stuff, let's say, you know, corn in the 550 something range and soybeans in the 13 something range, if if that's the, the lower end of, of the range, you know, where where do guys consider putting some targets in? Because I think a lot of people, you know, put targets in. In fact, I know I did and they never quite got hit, you know, in that upper five range, you know, that 590 something range. I mean, what are what are the probabilities of getting back to, you know, just shy of six or somewhere in that range? Do you think on, you know, I don't mean to throw you into the bus here, but just give you get a little perspective from me on the probabilities. And I know you don't have a crystal ball, but um, and also on soybeans, you know, the, the, the challenge there is we need, you know, 14 plus and, you know, I think, you know, so do you just sit on your hands and, and wait or, or, uh, thoughts there? Well, uh, first of all, being under the bus is not that big a deal. I, I pick up my mail there on a daily basis. So that's not <laughs> a big issue. Um, the, as far as the, um, uh, technical, um, technicals is a little bit like uh, evaluating, walking into an art museum and evaluating art. Uh, it, it's more of an art than a science. I think many people will say after Friday's performance or this past week's performance that the technicals look weak and oh my gosh, and we're going to fall apart and things of this nature. I don't agree with that, but that I wanted to put that out there. That's where most people are going to line up. I think in the case of uh, the technical market uh, perspective, I think what we witnessed was a completion, temporary one-off event. I don't think we get the downside momentum. I think to embrace that view, I think will be a trap. And I think that's what we're going to see unfold over the next couple of weeks. We're going to find out that embracing this sell-off was and turned out to be a trap. That's just my opinion. As far as technical upside objectives, if we turn around here, I think that um, if producers are keen to make sales, maybe don't have as much on as they wanted to have on, um, but not necessarily anxious to sell it at the lowest levels they've had for any con any corn they would have sold since December or November of 21, which I think there's an argument to be made for trying to avoid that sale, then I think 590 to 610 December corn is not at all an unreasonable possibility. And um, that's where I would have offers in at the present time is at least at 590. In the case of November beans, you said you wanted to get to 14. Well, before you say in those words, I would have said that I think a, a reasonable target is very plausible to get to back to 14. Contract highs in November beans are just shy of 1450, if I remember correctly. Um, I think it's unreasonable to believe we could actually go back to 1450. Again, I want to look at how cheap November beans are versus the spot contract of any beans traded since, you know, November of 21. So we are already quite depressed. And I think it's very difficult to get a U.S. balance sheet that suddenly becomes uh, burdensome with supplies, um, given um, the small carryout 
given even the acres presented in to us in March, which I am suspicious it's going to be less than that. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I think there's still opportunities here ahead of us. And I think that because we are so cheap um, from using the logic that I've already laid out, um, I think a guy can be somewhat patient on trying to make additional sales. And I, I'm in no hurry to make sales here. Yeah, I'm just a firm price. believer, though, of putting those targets in because we're gonna, we are gonna be planting at some point. There, everybody does get busy, and it just seems like those opportunities present. They sneak up on you, and they don't last very long, especially when it's a production-driven market, or you know, it's it, it's not like you know it necessarily has to go there, stay there type of thing. So I think a person needs to really do the math, figure out where you need to be and get those, get those offers in. Um, I definitely agree with the uh, idea of putting the offers in. And I think the price areas that I put out there is, is a legitimate places to have those targets. Yeah. And I think those targets are achievable despite how weak it might feel yeah. after the past week's price action. That's still plausible to get there. Yeah. It's probably easier to build a, bullish scenario in the, the bean market than it is to build one in the corn or said differently, it's easier to uh, come up with a production scenario in the U.S. for the 23 growing season that adds to carry out from the previous year, gets to carry out up to where it's more, you know, plentiful supplies. Um, it's easier to do that in the corn than it is in the bean. So if a guy says it's a 50-50 operation and he, um, is going to be quicker to market something and slower to market something else. I'd probably be inclined to be quicker to market the corn on a rally and maybe a little bit more patient on the beans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So the last thing I want to hit on real quick here, and we need to get wrapped up, but old crop uh, corn and soybeans, and there's there's a little bit more corn out there than I would have thought that some people are still sitting on a little bit. A lot of it is just the quote unquote gambling bushels, which I, I can't stand. I like my bins empty personally, but um, you know, basis got really strong there, at least like in our area in Cedar Rapids, it got super strong um, that week. The weather got, uh, I mean, there, there were bids that were significantly higher than everything that was even being posted just because um, they needed grain all of a sudden, and now that the weather's gotten crappy the last week and a half or so, um, now all of a sudden, you know, the basis has gone away. I think there's going to be another another run of that almost in every region to clean up old crop basis, and it gets a lot of people at or above $7 in a lot of areas um, if the basis comes back and and we, you know, and we do see a little price strength in concert with that. What's wrong with if you can get, you know, 650 to seven low sevens, what's wrong with just cleaning the bends out? I don't think there's anything wrong with cleaning it out at those prices. Those are good prices. And, um, you know, if, if a guy is sitting on old crop bushels and he has new crop bushels that he hasn't priced and he feels like he wished he would or should have or wants to, um, it's pretty difficult to argue Um holding on to those old crop bushels and 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 remaining unpriced and new crop just from an exposure standpoint. But after having said that, um, I wouldn't argue anybody wanting to sell old crop bushels here, especially, you know, if you got some, you know, good basis values. I wouldn't argue against that at all. But in the same token, I think the cash corn market supplies are going to be tight enough that 
the old crop corn market is probably going probably going to be very well supported through much of the summer. And um, I think that China's demand caught people by surprise. I doubt if that's done. And um, even without that China, any additional new China demand, the, the cash corn market and how it responds and the basis it takes to move supplies, it sure seems like it's a lot tighter than than the USDA carryout uh, would suggest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I appreciate that. I just think people, we, we all need to kind of watch that close. And, and, you know, sometimes it's nice to clean house on the old crop so that your focus and attention is on the on the new crop. Everybody's got to make their own decisions and not recommendation. It's just, just in our observation over the years, it just seems like when you know, you don't want to look, look a gift horse in the mouth and not take advantage of it. So, no, I, w- I wouldn't want to talk anybody out of selling if that's what they were thinking about doing. I w- definitely wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, any last thoughts for guys as we uh, um, head through the week of the 24th, 28th, last final thoughts? Um, the, the last final thoughts would be that um, it's going to take a pretty significant weather problem Let's talk about corn for that. Let's f- focus on corn. It'll take a pretty significant weather problem in the, in the U.S. to um, create a balance sheet that justifies maintaining $6 or higher corn market. And therefore, if you get uh, weather scares between now and, and the end of June or middle of June, that gets the market back up towards that $5.90 or $6 area, um, it's probably... Um, you need to think in terms not of what the cash corn market has been the last couple of years, but what might it be on the downside? And um, it might end up being a four fifty to five dollar futures market uh, for downside risk. And I think um, that's what a guy's got to focus on is what the downside risk is. And I think that um, um, this would probably not be a good year to go into harvest and not have gotten bushels sold that you normally would have or that you would like to have because cost structure that everybody has um, dealing with a $5 or less corn market would be awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's merit in, you know, being proactive in finding and reacting to levels that, you know, produce a profit for your operation. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think, you know, we just got to make sure, you know, we're, cognizant of of the opportunities and and this is you know uh, a risky situation just because of the amount of dollars we've got invested in this crop especially in the corn crop and um and then i think soybeans you kind of follow along with the same logic so Dwayne, i think that's been a really good conversation we hit a lot of stuff from the planning progress to needing energy prices to to kind of help support some things all the way through the Russia-Ukraine war and and uh, some of the other things we talked about. And I appreciate your your parameters on the technical side. It kind of gives some guys some thoughts and ideas and ways to put in some some uh, some targets and and maybe take advantage of some some opportunities when they present themselves. So with that said, Dwayne, um, as usual, thanks a lot for all your wisdom. All right, thanks, Chris. Yeah, you bet. And I'd like to thank everybody else for listening. One other quick thing too, make sure if you have not checked out 19 Minutes, um, check it out. We we have another um, new episode coming out on the 29th. 
Um, we've got a whole bunch of uh, interesting episodes in there. And so if you need some uh, stuff to listen to when you get back in the tractor, finally, it's uh, there's a bunch of episodes in there. You can, uh, it's $30 a month, but you can go back and listen to any of the prior ones that are already in there. So there's a, a ton of really good information. And um, basically, we'll leave a link to 19 minutes in the show notes here. So with that said, again, thanks to Dwayne Lowry. Thanks to everybody for listening. And we will catch you again next time on the IQ Pitch.